0: This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. Hello, welcome to this mini episode of Big Mood, Little Mood. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is someone you might be familiar with. It's Janae Desmond-Harris, Slate's dear prudence. She was previously a senior staff editor at the New York Times, where she is now a contributing opinion writer. And now here we are reading a letter from a listener. All right, let's move on to our very special letter, which has a lovely subject line. I found it charming. It's Colonel of the Boundary Brigade. That's the last thing that's charming about this letter because it's very sad. My brother is a former teacher and coach who was convicted of molesting his students. The evidence was very convincing. I don't believe there is any question as to whether he committed the abuse, although he maintains it was a false accusation. As parents ourselves, my sister and I have set clear boundaries. He must never be alone with our kids, must never touch them, and must never stay overnight in the same home as them. Our families usually go camping together every summer. He is no longer invited. Our mom is one of a few people who still defends his innocence. She finds these boundaries upsetting. She constantly pushes them. On Thanksgiving, she nudged him to teach our kids the sport he used to coach, and when we reinforce, we're told we're, quote, always bringing up the past, and, quote, always making our brother feel left out. Our brother invited himself to our camping trip later this summer, and when I told him he would not be coming, I got a long text message back complaining about how he's, quote, always the black sheep. My mom then called me and said I am, quote, tearing the family apart and judging him for misfortune in his past. I do not know what to do. I love and do not want to lose a relationship with my mom. I just want her to see the purpose behind these boundaries. We're not being cruel. We're being safe. But I don't know how to get the message through.
1: I can only bite off a tiny piece of this, and I know that you have a lot to say. A lot of similar experience about the rest of it. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Get
0: us started, please.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'll just get us started. Um, The last sentence says, I want her to see the purpose behind these boundaries. I don't think your goal should be getting your mom to see anything. It should just be deciding how to react to what the kind of person your mom has decided to be. Take it away, Danny. I mean, I really agree with you there.
0: I think I'll also just start by affirming that, like, letter writer, your brother was not merely arrested, but also charged. He wasn't merely charged. He was also convicted. Mm -hmm. Um, Your mom saw that just as much as you did. And she still chose to ignore that convincing, straightforward evidence. So I I think you're stuck a little bit in this trap of, I love my mom. I want to believe the best of her. And so I need to think of this as just a, a problem of not understanding. Like she just doesn't see the purpose. And if she ever really got it, then she would choose to do the right thing. That's not actually what's going on here. Your mom has seen lots of great evidence that her son molested children. And she has chosen to pretend that he didn't. She actively lies to herself and to other people about the fact that he has molested children. And so it's not, it's not a lack of understanding or explanation on her part. You could sit her down with the most elaborately detailed script that was so uh, you know emotionally persuasive, logically persuasive, went through everything in clear, methodical order. And at the end of it, she would still say, my son wouldn't hurt a fly. Um, so as long as you want to try to play the persuasion game with your mother, you will simply be running yourself ragged like on a little hamster wheel. It, it is not lack of evidence that your mom's problem. Exactly. And that can be really difficult. Cause she's your mom. Like she's your mother. And I'm sure you have seen her in other areas of your life act well and responsibly and with care. And so part of you is just like, this doesn't make any sense. This is not the person I believe her to be. I have to think it's just a lack of understanding. Because to do otherwise, I would have to hold like a horrible and painful truth about my mom and who wants to do that?
1: I think one of the most painful parts is that the mom clearly cares about her son, the brother, more than she cares about her grandchildren, the letter writer's children, and the letter writer's siblings' children. And that really hurts. Like her interest in I guess, sweeping things under the rug or rewriting the narrative or being in denial is putting the other kids at risk. Like, if she wants him to come on the camping trip, like, there's a reason that he's not invited on the camping trip. And it's not that everyone's mad at him, although that's part of it. It's that there are children there, and they're in danger. So that, to me, is um, a part that I think would really hurt if my mother took that approach to any children that I had.
0: Yeah, not to be glib, but man, speaking as somebody whose mother did that.
1: Yeah.
0: That was devastating. You know, one of the things that I was weirdly grateful for afterwards was, you know, the last day that I spoke directly with any member of my family, uh, I wasn't able to get my mother on the phone. There were just uh, too many moving parts. And so I never had to hear her voice defend what they had all been doing. Mm -hmm. And I felt just like, oh, that was a nice, like, slight reprieve that i you know i i had enough information to know that she had made the same choices but i didn't have to hear my mother say it you know and that mm-hmm. that was nice so i really share part of what i experienced in those in that day was just this shock of i had admired my mother i had seen my mother act with great integrity in situations of other people's sons <laughs> committing sexual abuse and harm and so this was totally at odds with the person that I thought my mother was. And that was overwhelmingly painful and sad. Um, But letter writer, I think that the thing that will get you through this is reorienting um, your focus. So right now it's a lot on your mom and it's a little bit on your brother. Um, I want you to refocus on your kids because I want you to think about this. Right now I have these like elaborate rules. And by the way, these are reasonable rules not least because your brother has never admitted that he molested these children. He's never taken responsibility for it. He's never said, you know, yes, it is good for me not to be around children overnight. Um, So it's not just like, oh, there's this endless punishment. It's He's demonstrated he's not interested in prioritizing child safety. He's not living an honest life and I cannot trust him as a result. That's just as simple as one and one make two, like, which you already know, letter writer, but I, I just really wanted to stress that. But I want you to think about what these limits and these kind of Byzantine rules send to your kids, because there are a lot of ways that a child molester or a pedophile can harm a child without necessarily laying a finger on them. And some of those ways can be really difficult to untangle for years. So right now, what you're, I, I don't know how much you've told your kids. I don't know how old your kids are, but apparently they're spending some time with their uncle. Um, It's not overnight and it's not while camping, but it's some of the time. So what you're saying to your kids is, some of the time, I'm going to put you in close contact with a convicted child molester who's never acknowledged the crimes that he has committed, has never tried to make amends or live a better or safer life. Um, But as long as he leaves before the sun sets, that's fine. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's actually good for your kids. I don't think that that's actually a safe compromise. I think that that's disorienting for your kids. I think that's going to be emotionally painful for your kids if it's not already. And I think it still puts them at risk of certain kinds of, let's say, like inappropriately emotionally freighted experiences with their uncle that as children, they don't deserve to have. And as their parent, you should be protecting them from. So I got to say, my advice to you is make the bar. If somebody wants to spend any time with my kids and they've been convicted of molesting children, the, the bare minimum has to be they've admitted it and they're committed to a safety plan and working with therapists. And if your brother's not doing any of those things, it's not, you can see them in the afternoon. It's you don't see my children ever.
1: Right. And to be clear, like, my opinion about the brother doesn't come from the conviction as much as it comes from the fact that the letter writer saw the evidence and was like, there's no question. Like, I believe what she thinks, um, she or he thinks, more than I'm deferring to, like, a court in this situation. Yeah. Another thought I had was just, on my first read, I was like, oh, the mom, she's in a really difficult situation, but she's actually not. Nobody is asking her to never speak to her son again or to cut him off. Like, she could have a really loving relationship with him and, like, encourage him to get help and support him in whatever he needed to, like, rejoin society and not harm anyone else.
0: And it's not loving to live in a lie with someone. Like, that's not love. yeah. That's danger.
1: Yeah. So it's not even that much of a dilemma. Like, no one's asking the mom to never speak to this guy again. They're just asking her to have some consideration for, like, the children, the family, and the other people's priorities. Um, Like I said, it's just not a lot to ask. And I think that's something that should be communicated to the mom.
0: Yeah. So I'm sorry, letter writer. I know that you said you don't want to lose a relationship with your mom. And so I don't say any of this lightly or casually. I get that that's painful. But I think you are not thinking of your children as much as you should be. And that's not to be, like... I don't want to be overly harsh on you, letter writer, or to say that you've done something like horrible, but I do think that you need to stop letting your brother spend time with your children. And I think you need to be clear and upfront with the rest of your relatives as to why. And I think to say to your mom, I love you. I don't want to lose a relationship with you. I am done talking to you about relaxing these boundaries. I'm not going to. If you ask me to do it again, I will hang up on you. If you keep doing it, I will block your number. Don't make me have to do that. The choice is yours. Um, I think you've coddled your mother long enough. I think you have tiptoed around your brother to protect your mother's explosions for long enough. You know, for for even this like kind of bare minimum of a of a boundary, you're already being told like you're judgmental, you're condemning him, you're bad, you're tearing the family apart. You're judge- you know, you're you're holding on to the past uh, for that little already. You're getting that much flack. I just. I think you're going to lose your relationship with your mom. I think you already have. Right now, you Mm. talk to your mom sometimes. You see your mom sometimes. But look at at your relationship with your mother. She yells at you for not prioritizing the fantasy that this child molester wants to live in. That's reality.
1: That's such a good point. The relationship is already gone. Um, There's not a lot there to preserve. I mean, give her a chance o l g c t one last good clear talk, lay it all out, mm-hmm. but do it with the awareness that she's kind of already told you what she cares about in life, and it's not you and your kids,
0: yeah, and so I think you should say that. I think you should expect that she will come back with some version of you're even more judgmental than you used to be. this is awful, this is the worst. Be prepared for that. feel very easy saying no, <laughs> that's not true. goodbye um and if you want to say something like if you ever let go of this or are willing to live on a different basis you know I would love to hear from you but until that day if all you have to say is you're being too mean I'm not going to take that call I'm not going to have that conversation with you we're done arguing about whether or not it's mean to not let a child molester coach my kids it's not mean.
1: do you think the letter writers should tell their kids um assume they're like elementary school age kids I don't know say they're nine and ten um do you think the letter writers should explain the situation to them
0: That's a really good question. I was wondering, I don't know how much the kids know already. You know, if he was arrested and convicted, it may already be a matter of fairly public record. I also don't know how old the kids are. So I would say, I would say at that point, I would encourage you, Letter Writer, to reach out to like a mental health professional who works with families and especially with kids um, for their, like for specific advice in your kids' specific situation. Um but I do think that you should be planning on having conversations with your kids, if not immediately soon um to explain why they're not gonna see their uncle anymore and I think you should also be prepared to ask some open ended non fishing style questions about how have you felt in the past spending time with your uncle? Has he made you uncomfortable? Have you been okay um, and you know don't furnish them with possible answers like because you're imagining the worst, but they might have interesting information for you. Like he makes me feel uncomfortable or I don't really like him or I'm sort of confused by this dynamic that I seem to be getting whiffs of, but no one's explained to me. Um, so again, like you'll want guidance from a mental health professional and I'm not suggesting that you have like an incredibly detailed conversation with very, very young children right now, but yeah, you should be prepared to talk frankly to your kids about sexual abuse. Cause it's, it happens. There are, You know, I I think generally my thought is, like, if your kids could potentially be abused, you should be able to have some age-appropriate version of a conversation about abuse with them.
1: And I think, like, we cut off my brother and grandma because we care so much about protecting you from abuse is, like, a pretty good—I mean, it's a difficult message, but it's a good message for kids to get um, Mm -hmm. to hear about your values and how much you care about them and, um, like, how valuable they are in that way. Yeah, and again,
0: it's not like, oh, we cut them off because we got so mad. It was, we said the the thing that we need to be in a relationship with you is that we agree on reality, that he can acknowledge that he hurt children and that he's committed to living differently. And they won't do that. And as a result, we can't be in a relationship with them, but it's not like arbitrarily and for no good reason. One day we just turned on them. It was again and again, they insisted on having these special accommodations and pretenses Uh, worked to their advantage at the expense of child safety. And um, you know it's not just about the worst case scenario of a child being like physically assaulted. There's also so many messages that kids pick up at a very young age about, do I deserve protection? Do I deserve safety? Do I deserve an explanation? Is it my job to just keep quiet when I feel uneasy? Is it my job to make my uncle feel better when he's sad because everyone else seems to be working overtime to make sure he's never sad? You know, one of the the last things that I ever said in my final conversation to my father was just, what I don't understand is it, it doesn't seem like this is safe for anyone. And I, I don't understand why, like, if he wants to coach, why he couldn't coach adults? Why couldn't he teach these activities to adults? Wouldn't that be safer for everyone? Um and there was just this sort of like baffled fury in his response of just he wouldn't think his life was worth living if he couldn't coach children. And I just feel like, boy, if you show up applying to coach kids and you say, if you don't let me be around these kids, I'll kill myself. (laughs) You shouldn't get that job. Yeah. You know, even if you never touch them, that is not a good emotional foundation to bring to interactions with children. Children deserve emotional safety and like a healthy, innate sense of appropriate boundaries between them and adults that covers so much more than just physical sexual assault. So true. Anyways, Letter Writer, I'm so sorry. I feel for you. I'm so sorry that you have been, you know, hounded over your very reasonable limits. And I think your limits should be stricter. And I'm sorry. And I hope you can find a lot of comfort from the other people in your life after you make this decision. all right, we are going to move out of that, you know, mire and head into something a little bit easier to adjudicate. And uh, I'll read this letter and then it's the lightning round. So you'll have a minute to answer it and then I'll have a minute to answer it. Okay. No pressure, just the taking of the clock.
1: Can it be less than a minute? Yeah, of course you can.
0: Somebody once did it in like 40 seconds, which was amazing. Okay. Here we go. I have a close friend. We've been through a lot together. But he always lets me down by rescheduling our meetings. It happens pretty often, mostly for work or headaches or something to do with his wife. And I know he's my friend, and he's always super nice and genuinely sorry. He usually suggests that we meet up the next day. I'll bring you coffee. We can take a walk. But it still pisses me off. I hate changing plans. It ruins my day. And he knows that. On the other hand, I don't want to be a bitch about this because I don't want him to feel pressured to meet up with me, even though he doesn't feel well today. Friendship shouldn't be a burden but I wonder, does he even like me? Do I mean anything if he does it so often? And how do I react without putting a lot of pressure on him? I'm okay with this happening every now and then, but not like every week or two. Please help. All right. You can take a second, gather your thoughts, let me know when you're ready, and then we'll start the clock.
1: Okay, gathered. Beautiful. Go. It doesn't make you a bitch to say to him hey, I noticed that you often like cancel our plans right before. And this is where you use the famous I statement. Like, I have a hard time with that because I've set aside time in my day. And, you know, I'm busy with work. And even if it's not really interfering with my schedule, I just end up feeling disappointed. Um, Can you try to not agree to plans unless you're a little bit more sure that you'll be able to keep them? I know that it happens sometimes and that's totally fine, but it feels like it's kind of a regular thing with us. Um, Then if he keeps doing it, I think you should not be so quickly available to reschedule. Um, That's not being a bitch either. So if you have a a Friday night plan and he wants to reschedule for Saturday, like, no, be busy. You probably are busy anyway. Um, I'm sure you have other friends. So make it so he suffers some consequences um, for doing this. The
0: end. Beautiful. And in time too. All right, it's my turn. I'll put the clock on. Here we go. You know, I agree with all of that. I think probably the best way to do this is to, you know, share with him that this really is hard for you Um, and then try to solve it together. Like let him take on some of the solving it work. So to go and say, I know you don't do this on purpose. I know you care about me, but this absolutely drives me wild and it happens all the time. What do you think might be some good solutions? And he doesn't have to answer it right away, but maybe he'll say, thank you, I've been embarrassed about admitting it, but you're right, a lot of these meetings have been inconvenient for me. Um, I would have an easier time if we could do something else. Or you can say, "You know, why don't you let me know the next time you're free, I'll let you know if I can make it, um, and then we'll hold it loosely. Um, anything that you can do to make sure you have backups in place, I agree with not always being available to reschedule right away. That's not to say you have to ice him out when he fucks up, um, but just to make it clear, you may not be doing this on purpose, but it's still damaging to our friendship and something needs to change. That's it. One minute. I am done.
1: Can I have one more second So I didn't use my time? <laughs> you did, at <laughs> least by my
0: clock, you had six more seconds. Yeah.
1: Okay. Reclaiming my time. Definitely, I think um, if, if he doesn't have good solutions, transition to a like, we just hang out spontaneously plan. Like, let me know if you're free right now and if, if I'm free right now, then we can meet up.
0: Beautiful. I love it. I love it. I'm so glad that we got to end on a slightly ni- lighter note than. Me too. You know, here's here's my uh, advice as someone who's been there uh, from having to, to let go of family <laughs> relationships.
1: You did a great job with it, though. It's good advice. Thank
0: you. I, I love compliments. You also do a mm-hmm. great job. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up to subscribe or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you get a minute. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice and conversations and interview questions with our guests. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $1 for your first month. If you need some little advice or big advice and you'd like me to read your letter on the show, head to slate.com slash mood to find our Big Mood Little Mood listener question form. Or find a link in the description of the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening.